right, everyone. Super excited to start another episode of the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass podcast and now YouTube channel. Today's astute or esteemed, astounded, esteemed, astute, all these different words. I'm a Marine. We can make up words as we go. We normally grunt, make noises. As a fellow Marine, Misty Cook. Misty, how are you today? Fantastic. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So you and I connected on LinkedIn and before we hit the record button, you're like, so how did I meet you again? So we did meet on LinkedIn and I don't know if I found you, you found me, but you're pretty active on LinkedIn. So why don't you briefly kind of share just when you were in the Marine Corps and what you did? Not, not too much, just a little, little background. Sure. My background's pretty simple. I was, uh, I joined as an enlisted aviation maintenance admin Marine. And then a couple years later, I was going to school at night of Lance Corporal, you know, so I was going to school and then um, I did the commission, uh, the MESEP program. MESEP. So the, yeah, so Marine enlisted commissioning education program for our non-Marines. And, uh, and so I went to the Citadel, I commissioned and then I um, became an adjutant. I knew I wanted to be an adjutant before I went to TBS. I felt like they were kind of those people that you didn't have to be the CEO, but you knew what was going on in the unit and you had your pulse on like, you know, everybody that was like, you name the situation. I knew about it. Right. So, um, I liked that and, uh, and I could help people and people come to an adjutant when they need help. And so that really, you know, was something that I wanted to do. So I did that. I became an adjutant. Um, fast forward, my B billet, uh, was at, at the depot. I went back as a series commander and really got to experience that on the other side, which, mm was unique. I'll just stop there. And yeah, so that I'm was, sure. <laughs> it was not the same, but it was a nice, you know, I understood as a recruit what that felt like. And so I was really looking forward to going back and, and they really did keep you going. So I did that. And then fast forward, I really, I loved protocol and I was really given a lot of opportunity doing protocol things at the depot. My last tour was with the commanding general as her staff secretary and uh, and so we hosted a lot of events and we did things which typically an adjutant does like at a unit, you know, for a CO, but protocol with a general officer and a general officer staff is a little different. And so um, I left there, went to school and then went to the Pentagon. And so that's really, I think, where the trajectory of my career changed. Um, I was able to go to the Pentagon, work at headquarters Marine Corps in events with general officer symposiums and executive offsites and, and found myself in the commandant's protocol office. And so I became, um, the commandant's protocol officer. And that's really where I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. I, I want to help these men and women, you know, make this experience on both sides. And so it wasn't just a simple, you know, like hosting an event, but you're hosting a congressional member, you're hosting a foreign counterpart, putting your best foot forward, not just for a company or for a service, but sometimes the country. So I think that was really just a, that's really what showed me like, wow, like you really got to make sure culturally you're aware and you know what's going on and then prepare your principal for the cultural differences and things like that. So that's really where the trajectory of my life. So I ended up spending Almost 10 years in the Pentagon between going wow. back and forth. I think I always say it's kind of like recruiting, like protocol is not an MOS. So once you do it, you kind of just go back to it because people are like, well, you always have done it. So you, I went to school, then I got sent back to the Pentagon, then I went to school and I got sent back to the Pentagon. And so here I was. And so when I hit 20 years, I knew at about 15 years, I knew I was going to start my own business. So I was at that point counting down to what I could do on the other side. 
So that makes a lot of sense. And thank you for clarifying. I didn't even know that before. I just saw what you're doing now, which we're going to get to momentarily. And that perfectly makes sense now that you shared that. That trajectory, that career path makes perfect sense. So for Mm -hmm. everyone who's listening here, one question to ask all of my guests is, are you a client of mine? No, I'm not a client of yours. Not yet. We're going to work on that. Yeah, just a a brother in the service. (laughs) Yes, you are brother and sister and, and sister. Yeah. So we, we definitely appreciate that. So let's transition a little bit of the conversation into when you said five years before you're getting out, because most, hence the name of this podcast is the veteran entrepreneur masterclass podcast. When mm-hmm. did you know in your mind, or was there a specific event or a triggering moment? Where you're like, I do want to start my own business. I want to make my own thing, so to speak. Do you remember that moment by chance? I know the moment. I know Please, where I was I'd love standing. To hear it. Yeah, yeah. Do most people, do most entrepreneurs know? I'm some, curious because you ask this question. I do ask this question. Let's go. We have to listen to all the episodes again. So yeah. I, would say, I, I think it's a mix. I think sometimes it just kind of happens and some people mm. know. And mm. now I'll share just for myself. It was, I, I knew I wanted to, but I wanted to have enough confidence in myself and my, to make sure I had the skill set. That would be mm-hmm. successful for just jumping out on my own, not really knowing the lay of the land and just getting trampled. I was still trampled and I still get trampled. I got trampled most of today already, but that's just yeah. being in business, right? And at some point, you just get numb to it. Like, oh, I'm getting trampled again today. You're like, okay, get mm-hmm. up, brush mm-hmm. it off and go. So I yeah. think it's a mix. I think that some of our guests knew they had a moment they want to go and others kind of just fell into it where it's a natural progression. So I'd love to mm-hmm. hear your your actual moment because I'm glad you yeah. remember it. It was a day that um, we have, we br- bring the general officers together quarterly for, a, well, one quarterly, the three and four star generals get together for an executive offsite. So kind of a steering committee, corporate board type thing for civilian world. And then once a year, we bring our retired generals back and we make sure that we're keeping them informed on what's going on. What are the new policies and things like that? It just keeps everybody informed, right? Because even if you're retired, the neighbor asks the retired general, what do you think about this? And we need to make sure that he knows exactly what's going on or she. And so I was at a retired EOS and General Kelly was standing there and I had seen him come and go back and forth from Afghanistan, like through the years. And so now he was retired and I asked him how things were going. And I'm like, sir, how's retired life? And, and he was like, you know, Misty. And he starts to explain to me all of the things that are happening, like people are calling, they're needing me to travel, I need to show up, I need to know who's there. And just kind of some struggles, he made some comment about, you know, like, I can't just pick up the phone and the SGA runs down the hall, you know, and so all these things that they were used to having in this kind of bubble is they have an office with 30 people that are around them making their lives easier, you know, facilitating their service, right, because they can't do it alone. And none of us can. And so whenever he explained that to me, I'm standing there and I'm like, well, all of those things are what I do every single day when I'm like, I make sure the driver's outside and we know who's in the room and we know what they're talking about. We know the questions are going to be asked. I know all of those things. And then we provide them a book or a something or a brief that says, here's what to expect or here's who, where you're going to sit. It didn't matter what it was, you know, like we were getting them prepared. Right. And, and so I thought, well, the, the need for that service doesn't end because they take off the uniform. And actually, it's more necessary because they don't have the staff. So it's just them sitting in their kitchen table with their computer, just like you and me, building a business. 
and their service, you know, what they want to give back to, you know, industry or, or just public private sector is, you know, it's still focused on national defense and they still have so much to give, but they don't have the staff. And so if I can create that for them, then they can keep serving maybe five, 10 more years with all that experience, but they can't do it by themselves. And so that's where I was like, I will create the COC, hence concierge on call, because the COC is where you call and you get done. You can fill that in. You can just beat that because that is like, that's where things happen. Right. And so I wanted my clients to think the COC, I can call them and I don't care if it's like, you know, I need a plane ticket out of Estonia tomorrow, or I need, you know, whatever it is, we're going to get it done. And so that's really where the whole moment happened for me that I'm like, I'm going to recreate G level staff and give them subject matter experts and all those things that they're used to having. That's phenomenal. You saw a need, you saw a gap and you filled it. And I took all the things that the Marine Corps taught me, you know, sometimes it's like the translation of service. I I talk a lot about the value of a veteran and I'm constantly talking to my audience about, you know, we just don't understand the value. They, you know, the outside world doesn't understand. And I had, I did a post about a couple of weeks ago about like, I didn't just eat MREs and, you know, smear up with cami paint for 20 years. Like I have a job and, and I could run circles around some of these people in corporate world. It's just that you don't know what I do. Because protocol officer to you, you're like, ah, we don't need one of those. But if I actually use the right language, then you would be like, oh, actually, we have four people that do all those things, you know? It's like you're the COO, chief operations officer, I would say, in most companies. Right. Well, and I'm a chief of staff for all these clients to make sure that I'm running their business and, and coordinating their lives so that they don't have to think about those details. But yeah, so I think that the language barrier, you know, just the vernacular that corporate American uses and veterans use, it just doesn't compute sometimes. And so it takes people like you and I to help those people understand, okay, an operations officer that was at in 2006, like that was a prestigious billet, right? Like we, like, I know you don't know what that means, but we gave him, him or her a lot of responsibility. And so they can, you know, make things happen. So it's trying to like, you know, leverage these ERGs inside of industry and all the the base knowledge of the value of a veteran and help translate that so that they can bring in the right people and and put them inside because there's just so much value there that they're getting. All they have to do is teach them the job, but the actual, you know, the the managerial skills and the compassion and the leadership is built in. So that's like free. I think that's huge. I will ask one question because you mentioned used uh, an acronym that I don't know. What is an ERG? Sorry, I don't even know oh, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like in the regular world, like you know, Home Depot, for example, they have an employee resource group. So they're okay. like affinity groups within the industry, and so each one. But unfortunately, ERGs just um, they can be a check in the box for industry where it just becomes more of a social network instead of using it for the powers that it could be. And if you had a representation from the C-suite, you have a representation from HR, and you use that team of veterans, not just to like get together and have a beer, but to like, let's fix our manning problem or let's fix our, you know, or how to relate to each other or put people in better spots in the, you know, organization because the entry level position for somebody that was a gunner sergeant, maybe that's not the right spot for that person, right? 
and but they don't know how to translate or they don't know how to explain it and then the other people don't know how to read it and so using an ERG in a way that they meet monthly you could bring in say hey I've got gaps in these places in my organization what types of jobs and then these recruiters can go out and say oh well you're looking for a supply sergeant that does XYZ and then that supply sergeant probably didn't know to translate on the resume. And so it's going to say supply sergeant, right? And so you're like, oh, we can make some dots connected because there's people there that know how to, to fit the right people in those positions. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So it's a skill. It's a skill to translate or trans, help translate and transition military speak to civilian it, speak, right? Yeah. And so- Someone could be saying, I need A, and someone over here is like, I did D, but it's actually A and D is the same. <laughs> it should be That's like, right. right? And it's just yes. because of communication. But you need the gap. translator, right? And so an ERG is a perfect translator. And these organizations have them because they like to say, I have an ERG, a veteran ERG, and uh, you name it, you know, all the different heritage month type things. But they don't use them. They use them to say, we have one. But they could use those people to help translate. A hundred percent. So with our podcast and this group that is trying to get that message out, let people know. And actually we have, and I have personally a newsletter where it's like, Hey, does a veteran bring value? Cause <laughs> a lot of veterans, a lot of, a lot of them are not sure how to translate their professional military skills into corporate America. And they can with a little tweaking, a little coaxing, but it's a change. It's something different, something they're not used to. It's in Sandler training. I chat about this or they talk about it and I, I steal it and I use it. So Sandler training talks about your identity and your role. Yeah. Your identity, you're always a 10. I'm a 10. You're a 10 plus, but your role, depending what you're trying to do, if it's something you have, you're not familiar with your role, like myself, I'm a, I'm a good caddy. I've never been a golfer. So my role as a golfer is a zero or one, right? Mm. So these veterans transitioning, they don't have corporate America speak yet, right? So they want to go yeah. out and I hear many times, oh, I, I saw a post the other day. Gentleman's like, I don't want to make someone else rich. I want to go out and start my own business. Like, well, number one, to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. And I'm like, and who the heck are you with zero outside experience? I think you're going to go out and just build this amazing company. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to fail. Unfortunately, let me ask you this. Maybe it's different in the general side of the house. I'm going to say there's a lot of veterans that still can hear the podcast, can understand they need to build a skill set to transition their skills from military America or from the military to corporate America, excuse me. And that takes time and mm -hmm. it takes effort and you're going to mess it up along the way. But the longer you're out, the more polished you get. And we all survive. Not yeah. all of us, but most of us do transition, transition. Well, some of us can't get over the past, but most of us can close that chapter. And the sooner you close that chapter and realize that part of your life is done and it's behind you, you can look forward and move forward versus trying to go forward living in the past. So I, I talk about that too. But yeah. where I was going with this bit of a rant, sorry, is the mindset that some veterans have, which I think is a fault. However, I don't know if it's avoidable or unavoidable. I think it's unavoidable where they can't take the mentorship and lessons from someone else until they actually go through they it themselves it. and learn, right? So mm -hmm. my question to you is how many even, even general officers, 
how many general officers need to fall and fail a little bit on their own till they realize, ah, there's probably another way. Even though I was a general, mm-hmm. there's probably a better way to get from A to B faster and someone like you can assist. Yeah, it's so good. You can tell that you've had this experience to see it because I think part of it is a consultant. There's a really funny clip online about a consultant, you know, so it's like this mystery thing that the people travel and then they like they're in coffee shops and whatever. But at the end of the day, a consultant will give you a straight line to a path that's kind of windy, right? So for so that you can miss some of those potholes and some of those obstacles. And we can talk about the mindset or your role identity. And, and my whole purpose, whenever you ask me about my why it's one, it's, it's value of a veteran at large. So that's because, and I can say that because I was a PFC and, you know, and then became an officer. So I understand there is value at all ranks and there is a struggle at all ranks for transition because everybody is in different places in their lives. And after 40 years, my purpose is to help these men and women find purpose as fast as possible, because the longer that you are kind of out dangling, you start to question who you are as a person. And these men and women that I help are 35, 40 years of service. And that's all they know, Brett. And so that is a scary kind of free fall. I mean, you know, some people are like, they look at them like, oh, they're entitled and they're just going to land on their feet. And, but it takes hustle no matter who you are. And, and we're all human and we all kind of have some sort of baggage as far as, you know, the, the idea that they need to find purpose quickly and, and they have a lot to give. And they can give back, but they have to figure out where they go. How do they package that? What? How do they market that? How do they brand themselves in a world that maybe they don't know? Maybe they don't have a billet that was like name recognition. So you could be a three-star general and the average Joe does not know you. But you walk into a DOD conference and, of course, people stand up. They say your name. They, you know, all the things. But at a moment's notice, it's first note, last note. And then the end, uniforms in the closet. And if we don't find a place to take all that goodness and all that experience and knowledge and help them put themselves in a place to to give back, then they start to feel like their identity was tied up in the stars or in the ribbons and in all that or in the billet or the office. And it's really about what's inside of them and all the stuff they carry as a man or a woman, right? So. I think that it's, it, it knows no rank. It knows no gender. It is, you're right. It is unavoidable. And so I felt like when I created the program, I do help them. I start there, you know, I help um, support them after they're up and running, but I created a program, a 16 week class that I stand up their business with them. So I, you know, their entity, their CRM, their domain, they're all the things. So weekly we meet as a coaching program so that they can, they don't have to figure it out and they can say, okay, week one, here's what we're doing. Week two, here's how we're going to do that. And then we're going to talk about your networking strategy. We're going to talk about your social media strategy. We're going to like do the things because people out in the world don't know who you are and you need to tell the world because I'm just Misty Cook a year ago. I was active duty and, and now I can go to my audience and I can share things and get feedback. And like, I've created a place for myself. And they have to do the same thing. And the good news is they have a lot more credibility from the beginning. 
you know, people, there are a lot of people that know them and they're not starting from a dead stop, like start like me. The idea is that I help, you know, in 16 weeks, I take them from the end of their retirement. They're sitting at the table to say, okay, ma'am, sir, week one, week two, week three, week four, so that the training wheels are off. And in four months, they have a company, they can invoice, they know what they're supposed to, you know, how to network, who they're going to network, what's their pitch. If they just walked up and someone's like, who are you? And they're like, oh, well, I'm this person and I do these things to help do these things, right? So helping them understand how to do that because they've never had to network. People know because their bio's in the pamphlet. You know, people stand up or they're all their ribbons and stars. You and I can look and say, oh, that's where he's been or that's where she's been. But that doesn't happen when you're in a suit. So it's kind of starting over and it, it is kind of a whiplash. So um yeah, so I hope that answers your question. That was a oh, long 100%. ramble. No, this is so good. It just like you were excited when when I was chatting before. I was excited when you were chatting. And I'm trying to keep it down because what I share, and normally most of my guests are not general grade. They're company grade, field grade, not just where they are. And it's helping them find a purpose. And I let, I lost my best friend, Lieutenant Colonel Adam Collier. I haven't heard the story before on the podcast, so I'll, I'll be brief. But he was battalion CO of 4th Recon. His billet was ending. He was trying to figure out what to do next. He's like, maybe I'll go back to Afghanistan just to do something. He didn't have a purpose. Mm. And we lost him the very next week. I've shared this story before in the podcast. I'll share this one again because it's fitting right now. I was part of a group. Another veteran asked me to join a online Zoom networking group session that they were running. Cool. And, and I invited them to mine. They didn't come to mine, but I went to theirs. That's really yeah. weird. And you'd like to, you're welcome to come to our networking group, Misty. I'd love to have you Thank come you. check it out. When I learned the difference, like our group is all about business and driving forward and creating revenue and solving problems. And it's the next phase. We're all in the next phase. We're all trying to excel in the next phase of our careers. And we're all very aware that the military, it's a part of us, but it's no longer us. Mm-hmm. Like I will always be Brett, a Marine. I'm no longer and have not been for 21 years, Brett, the Marine, right? Mm -hmm. And you understand that too. So what I witnessed when this other group invited me in to be part of their group, these individuals were like, hey, how's your day going? Well, I struggled to get up today and thinking about this and maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to do that. I'm not sure. Talk about not having a purpose. No purpose. They're just mm-hmm. existing. And it hit me right then and there. And I shared this in that group and I've shared it on the podcast. And I'll share it again. Just how important this is. And you just hit it. You just brought it up. If you don't have a purpose, you're done. You must have a purpose. And the best thing about knowing that is, okay, well, I don't know what my purpose is. So guess what? Your purpose can be to find your purpose. And there's nothing wrong with that. It took me until Mm -hmm. last May, May a year ago, where everything about me being a veteran, having business experience, wanting to help other veterans, changing the brand. So everything we do is geared towards our why. Mm -hmm. And our mission statement for Strategic Wealth Endeavor, which is my professional firm besides a podcast, our mission is to position you to accomplish yours. That's everything we do. We're in a support role. We're in a support role to help someone get to their goal from A to B faster. That's everything we do financially for our clients. And so we changed the brand. The firm used to have my name. 
It's not about me. It's about you, our client. So got rid of that. And you, you look at our name, Strategic Wealth Endeavor. Everyone, I don't care who you are, you, you are on your own wealth endeavor. Mm-hmm. And if we can bring a little strategy to it to help you go from that squiggly line to straight A to B, dude, that's that's the power of a team. And that's using yeah. a team around you. And so what mm-hmm. you just shared, saying that general officers have to figure out their purpose I don't care if you're a Lance Corporal. I don't care if you're a captain, a full bird colonel. doesn't matter. We all do. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with saying, oh, I don't know who the hell I am anymore. I was this person. I no longer am. Who is the new me? Well, mm-hmm. maybe I need to take some time to figure that out. And that mm-hmm. could be a week. It could be, for me, 20 years it took me to have clarity. Mm-hmm. 20 years for me personally. To say, this is who I am. I'm 100% focused. I know where I'm going. So the fact you just shared that at the general level versus my little level, and that we're Mm -hmm. all the same, just shows we are all the same. We're Mm -hmm. all veterans. We're all trying to figure out. We've all gone through the military machine. Now we're Mm -hmm. on to our next endeavor. If we can surround ourselves with good people that are willing to help and mentor us to get to A to B faster, we all win, right? So what's going through your mind as I'm sharing that? I'm just curious. Yeah, I'll tell you. The I do a webinar once a month and and I help um it's a transitioning webinar. So I t- it I invite people that are transitioning out and I try to say like, you know, 18 months, 12 months all the way to like you're 6 months out already, right? So like just the spectrum, but the idea is, you know, nobody really talks about what is networking. And it it goes back there's this entrepreneur I follow on LinkedIn and he talks about, you know, something that you're good at, you think, "Oh, it's easy." But somebody would pay five grand for that if they knew how to do it. You could teach them, right? And so you have to kind of like always check in to be like, it's not easy for everybody. It's easy for you. To me, networking and making new friends, that's why you were like, oh, we'll just talk on this tech class. I'm like, well, that is easy for me. That's not easy for everybody. And so you can't just wave a magic wand and say networking is easy. You know, and, and where do you start and how do you start? Or you look at this big picture. And so we kind of talk about the non-negotiables when you're getting out of the service and you know that no matter what, you're moving back to Charlotte, North Carolina or Atlanta, Georgia. Well, that's a non-negotiable. So when you start your color by numbers and you're like, okay, it looks like it's got spots. That's Georgia. So now you start to network in Atlanta, Georgia, 12 months out, you know, so I kind of start to shake the tree and explain to them like, you know what, meeting a real estate agent, I'm just going to tell you, they can solve a couple of problems for you. They're going to tell you where you should live. They're going to tell you the best doctor in town. They're going to tell you what school districts to be in. So some of these problems that you're already starting to think, gosh, I have to move and I don't know where and I don't know, well, make friends with somebody in that local area that's a real estate agent, you know? And so I just talk them through some of the things to try to take some of the pebbles like out of their backpack and focus them. And one of the guys on the podcast, I get a lot of veterans that come because I'll advertise on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm doing this. And then they'll say, can I come and just share? So exactly what you're saying. He was like, I have a job, but that's not my why. That's not my purpose. But what I've decided is I might not get the job because we all, the reason we struggle with it is because we were given a mission and it was much bigger than ourselves. And we may never be able to fill our cup like we could as a servant leader, right? And so that doesn't mean that you can't do that in another way. And so he decided he would join a couple of different 501Cs and veteran organizations 
that give back. So he was a veteran, like homeless veteran organization. He did something else with scholarships and for children. So he filled his cup of purpose and why in a different way. And maybe it's not your nine to five, but you live for the other things. Right. So that's what I was thinking when you're saying that is, you know, it takes you 20 years, but maybe you can solve it earlier by just joining organizations. There's so like we were talking about the canine for warriors and different organizations that I have a couple friends in, in those types of 501Cs that, you know, that's their passion. They have a job, but that's not what they live for. A hundred percent. Well, let's, let's dig deeper. You may like, why did it take you 20 years? Right. Why would it take you 20 years when it could be just a few months? And I will share, many of us have head trash. Mine's gone now. I worked through it with some help from some amazing veterans, Lieutenant Colonel Craig, which is an Army officer and entrepreneur. I will give him full credit and a few others along the way, where I felt I was a subpar, sub-rated veteran. I didn't have a Mm -hmm. combat t-shirt. I was in for four years and got out. I didn't do the 20 years. So Mm -hmm. I felt undeserving personally, my own mind to be around these other war heroes and these veterans that had done so much more in their military career than I did. And so it was negative head trash that I had for myself. And it wasn't until I got through that. And I realized actually it wasn't until after I'd already started the podcast. Even if you listen to my first couple episodes of the podcast, you can hear the insecurity in my own voice as I was chatting with these veterans mm. that had done so much more than me because my own head trash was still there. It yeah. wasn't until Lieutenant Colonel Craig came out and said, veterans need your leadership in business to help them transition. Mm. I was like, oh, wait. That's what I'm doing with the podcast is helping get the information out. I'm taking my knowledge, my wisdom, and trying mm-hmm. to share with other veterans so they go A to B faster and avoid that long squiggly line. And mine yes. was like went around several times. I got run, run <laughs> over and then got up and they got run over again. They get up and run over again, like not get yeah. run over straight out. So it took me 20 years for my own head trash to realize that all veterans are good veterans. There's no such thing as, as a bad veteran. And the point that someone brought so if someone's listening and you're a veteran, you're like, oh, I didn't see combat. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And you feel subpar in some way in your mind. Just know this, the combat vet, combat vet's like, yeah, I'm a combat vet. But then he's like, oh, well, there's a guy with a purple heart. <laughs> this, so I'm nothing because I don't have a purple heart. Well, this guy has two purple hearts. Well, this guy lost an arm. This guy lost two legs. So this guy died, mm-hmm. right? There's always someone who's done more. That mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Get that trash out of your head. So- if there's a lesson I can personally share that you just helped evoke from my own personal experience, I wrestled with 20 years of internal head trash that I was not deserving as a veteran. That was so much weight and guilt and self-hate that I had for myself that I hadn't done. It took me literally 20 years to get rid of that. But once yeah. I did, it was so freeing. And it just, Mm -hmm. ah, now I have my purpose. I know where I'm going and I'm a hundred percent in, but mine took 20 years. So I'll I'll be quiet now, but that year's a bit, why would it take 20 years? We have head trash. So Mm -hmm. that's just where I am. So what, 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 where's your mind going as I share that? I'm just kind of curious where, what you're thinking now. You know, I think that there is some value in sharing that because you're not alone at, at all different stages, because I do a lot with 
the Marine Corps Memorial Foundation out in Denver, Colorado. And, and I meet veterans from all different campaigns. And it doesn't matter if it's a Vietnam vet and maybe he was in a different location and in his whole platoon. I mean, I've heard some amazing stories. And it's like we as veterans are like, you served, like you said yes. You know, and like, I don't care where you were, you were doing, you know, but he's like, well, but they they went forward and I stayed back. And it's like, well, somebody had to stay back, you know, but he carried that with him for for decades. Right. I mean, I think it's a valuable um, lesson for everybody to kind of take on and, and really think about. And, and I don't think it's overnight. Right. Like you just have to. And, and the other thing is surrounding yourself with other veterans. I think you don't realize, I didn't, um, how powerful the veteran community is. I can pick up the phone or send a note, and I've got a great bubbles to our coffee to bubbles story that I share all the time about networking. And it was a cold DM to a, to a Marine master sergeant that was, I looked online. It was February. I just retired. It's like 12 days after I retired. I had already stood up my business. And I was like, there are people out there that know more than I do that have already done this. And I was like, I want shortcuts, right? And I had already invested in a strategist. So I had the, I had the business, but I needed like the experience, right? So I reached out to him. People pick up the phone. If you say, I'm a veteran, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm this, they will make time for you. And you'll learn that you're super busy, but you'll somehow find a way to squeeze in a 20 minute call between things if it's a veteran. So it's, it's building a network and talking to as many people. And like you said, you might not know what your purpose is right now, but part of that is talking to as many people and veterans are a perfect, there's such an easy segue because their arms are wide open and they understand what you're going through. And you might like stumble on things that you didn't know were holding you back. Oh, and I have a business coach and she talks about head trash and how, you you almost start to self-sabotage yourself because you don't let yourself become successful in those places or surround yourself with veterans. And now, look, you have a business that's specifically for veterans. You had created this place where that audience wasn't even your audience. And now it's your focus. And so it's like that head trash kind of gets in your way of what your real goals are. And you will create obstacles to not be successful because you're not, I'm not good enough. A hundred percent. So while you're sharing that, you made me think of two things that I'd like to bring up with you. And I'm thinking as, as I'm speaking slowly, as I'm thinking at the same time. So I have a veteran that is phenomenal on LinkedIn. This gentleman mm-hmm. makes posts. I'm lucky if I get five or six likes, maybe 10, you get 300. Yours is amazing, but I get 10. I'm a weird guy with a mustache. No one likes my, my, uh, my image. But this guy posts something two, three hundred, and then thousands. It could be ten, twenty thousand. Some of his posts, and I think his biggest mm-hmm. post has five million likes. And this guy is gifted. And I'm like, I need you to help me with my post. So I hired him. He's like, Well, this is just yeah. it just comes to me. I'm like, What comes to you is your gift is not That's it's right. not mine, right? And I'm happy to compensate you for that because you're doing something I can't do. Mm-hmm. Now, so that individual, their gift is our posts on LinkedIn. However, you know, professionally, and I'm trying to coach and work with him to turn that into his career. He doesn't yeah. have a business savvy. He's not business savvy yet. And taking this gift and turning it into a business is a whole realm in of itself. And the challenge, though, in the meantime, is trying to find a gig 
right now just to pay the bills while he builds this. And there's so much head trash there. And I try and talk him through it. And there's, there's the, they, 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 and like, dude, there's no, they, it's just you. It's just <laughs> you. They do this. They, and they don't like every time you're saying they, you're projecting your own internal biases and you have mm-hmm. to look in the mirror. No one's messed up. You are messed up. And the mm-hmm. second we all acknowledge that we are broken in some way, then we can start to repair ourselves. And mm-hmm. so that I, I've noted since I built this group, not a plug, but we have the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass podcast, but we also have a group. We meet once a month via Zoom and we have members and there are some members with mental challenges there with their own image and who they are. And they're quick to point at everyone about what they're going through and their, and their failures except themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've found myself several times having intimate conversations to try and help them see that I'm not a psychologist. I'm, you know, I'm just a dude with a mustache trying to, trying to create awareness and, and share a message and, and get my own purpose out there. And so I, I don't know the answer and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I have mm-hmm. in our group, we have coaches, we have transition coaches, people help with the resumes. Uh, yeah. We have all these different professionals to help build that network because I was solo. I came out, I built my business on my own, school of hard knocks. I didn't know where to go, what to do, how to do it. I did have some help on a, on the civilian side, but I didn't have that veteran core of people who thought mm-hmm. like I did, had the same experiences, wore the same shoes I did, boots, and could really help me relate in a different way. I didn't have that. So I've replicated that now, but there are sometimes there are some of us out there as veterans have so much negative head trash and I, it could be some as a result of PTSD because PTSD makes us go negative. So if you've seen some things and done some things, uh, but what, what are your thoughts there when you see the potential, but the self-sabotaging of a negative mindset? Do you see that yeah, at your level, at the general grade level? Do you see that uh, at, at all? And, I'm, and you and I didn't script this. And I'm just, we're just thinking, going back and forth, but that's what's on my mind right now. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I'll tell you, it knows no gender and no rank. And I think as an entrepreneur, if I had a group of people that I was talking to about mindset and, and I, I talked to clients about, you know, the difference between some people will say like, do you need strategy for your business or do you need mindset? Which one's more important? And, um, what would you say? Oh, mindset, hundred percent strategy is easy. hundred percent. Yeah. So, but give me a tough one. Come on, come on. Well, I will tell you, I think I struggled with that when I was first getting out because I'm like, well, I'm a Marine and we need strategy. And, and like, I just didn't understand that, like, you have to absolutely believe, like, you are worth it. You are this. And then to understand that if you are, I mean, I have a coach that she always asks, like, like, is your heart open to, like, making a million dollars tomorrow? Like, are you worthy of that? Because if you're not and you don't think that you're worth it, then you're not going to make it, you know? And so does it feel good inside? And so when you start to identify, like, oh, I can't do that or I will, like, are you self-aware enough to say, is there something I'm doing to self-sabotage that? I think that there is something. And so it's like, oh, I can't make that networking event. Well, check in with yourself. Is it because you're tired or is it because you're, you don't like people? Like, what is it that's keeping you from going? Or I can't give that speech or I'm busy or I'm, you know, there's going to be too much going on. 
well, how serious are you as, you know, as a business owner or as a consultant or as a speaker? Like, is it truly because you're too busy or is it because you don't want to do it? And why don't you want to do it? Do you not feel good enough to do it? Do not, you know, it was the topic more, you know, whatever it is, I feel like if you're really self-aware, you're going to check in. Are you making excuses to get out of it or because you're scared or because you don't think you're good enough? So that's what I would say. And some, I don't know if like we all kind of come to this self-realization at different times, or maybe we don't at all because no one's ever called it out. I am like a huge advocate because I live in DC. So I walk and listen to books all the time. And, and so it's constantly like making me think of a different perspective and check in with myself and be like, okay, like you want me to come and talk to your group and like, you know, you just want it because there's times that I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm just me. And I don't know what I can bring to the table. But it's like, they asked you to come. And they think you can bring value. So figure out what they want, you know, and, and just do it. And then you'll find out that you're like, wow, that wasn't so hard. But you can get in your head and get in your own way. So I think self awareness is probably what I would talk to people about, you know, checking in 100%. I, I, I wouldn't say that we can get in our own way. So we do get in our own way. News made me think of another story. So I recently, not now it's been maybe eight, nine months, joined the American Legion chapter 283 in Pacific Palisades, which is Ronald Reagan's old American Legion chapter. And around here, there's still the VFW. And I didn't fight in a foreign war. I'm not a veteran of a foreign war. So I always felt like that is a holy place where I was not worthy of walking in. Right. Mm-hmm. And the American Legion, I kind of, I, I didn't really know what it was about. I, veterans, and I was thinking old guys, World War II, and they'd been there and done that. So I was in awe and intimidated to go in there. Mm-hmm. Now, most of these guys are gone. It wasn't until another Army veteran, Paul Malkowitz, so I'll give him credit on this, on this podcast, and he's been on the podcast, an Army veteran that I met on LinkedIn through networking, where he invited me to the American Legion Post. They had two living Medal of Honor recipients from Vietnam speaking at this one event last August or September. I live in Arosa Beach. You know anything about California, Los Angeles? It's a little bubble. It's one square mile town by one square mile town. They call it the, the South Bay rubber band, meaning that you try and leave, you get shot back and you just don't want to leave because you're in your little enclave and it's nice and you don't need to walk or you don't need to drive. You park your car on Friday and you're, you're foot mobile all weekend. It's great. And so, all right, to go to Pacific Palisades, oh, it's far. It's probably 45 minute drive. And I drive during the week and I don't want to go and I can put a suit on or maybe just a jacket. I'm put one on in a while. All right, all right, let me go check it out. And I did the pro con pros and cons of my mind. And I went and that's where I met Colonel Craig. We told me about helping other veterans in business. And I had a couple other veterans from my networking group join. We got together and we're like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> They're all like us. And we're like, oh, this is really cool because we're all here. We're all the same. There were some older Vietnam era vets who still are sad about not being welcomed home. They're dealing with that mental, those mental scars and will forever until the day they die. I get it. You mm-hmm. see it like, wow, we're definitely broken. But it was mm-hmm. phenomenal for me to go. Oh, I belong here. Mm-hmm. So I would share. I don't know. Every chapter is different. But if you're a veteran, you're looking for a community, you want to re-engage, get off your butt, walk into a meeting at one point, just see what's going on, shake some hands, say hello, and you will mm-hmm. most likely start to build or feel a sense of community again. So for me, I was out 
again, felt undeserving since I've re-engaged and built that network, realized I'm not alone. There's a ton of us. We're all the same. We're all mm-hmm. the same. We all want to do well. We all want to move forward. We all want to feel appreciated. We all want a sense of belonging and we all want to do good things. And so that I'd say it helped me get through my own head trash. And it's mm-hmm. not we can get our way. We do get our own way. And I don't know what the answer is to get through there faster, but hopefully us sharing, at least me sharing what I went through. Mine took 20 years to get through it. If I can help any veteran who hears a story, go from A to B faster, get out of the head trash to know you are an amazing person and you can do what the hell you want. And your why and your purpose doesn't have to be your primary job. It, that job can pay the bills. Great. Maybe it is just a job. It's called a job for a reason, right? But it, maybe your passion, your why can be doing something else. And maybe that's not financially rewarding enough. So you need another job, but you could still be fulfilled in many ways. So as you were sharing that, those stories, and that's why I'm sharing it again here to hopefully get the message out. I'm sorry, this is your episode, not mine, but you're triggering so many positive <laughs> memories and thoughts. I get excited and I'm just, I'm happy you're on here. And this is like a great podcast. So that's what I'm thinking, you know? So what would you say though, for those, for those, Actually, I'm going to bring it this back to you and give you a plug a little bit to talk about your business. So if you are a general officer and now I guess there's five, another six branches, right? We have Space Force too. Like what, what does that process look like and how would someone find and engage you? Yeah. So when they're starting to retire, if they're going to go into consulting, then typically they're trying to figure out like, what does that look like? People just tell them um, there's kind of this running joke. It's like somebody just says, oh, Bob, you know, you should be a consultant and go out on your own. And just like you and me, they find themselves sitting there at Google, like, what is an LLC? And what is an escort and what is right. And so it's like, okay, so if that's something you want to do and you want to get on boards or you want to be a speaker or you want to be a consultant, um, then I can kind of help that process. And so I do a 16 week program and then I can walk them through standing up their business and just basically removing all the obstacles so that they can focus on just doing what they do. Right. And not the back end of building it. And then um, after that process happens, so they can stay on as a client. And then I kind of create an executive level team around them and give them an executive assistant. We do all their travel and their, you know, coordination and meetings, because like I said, they're extremely busy and they go from conference to flights to back home to a meeting. And then there's stuff happening that still need to be coordinated for the following week. So having somebody that's in the back of that business and and making sure things are done is important. And so uh, I, my website is, and I can, I can give it to you and you can drop it in a link, but it's www.nextcoc.com. And so um, that's going to be their next COC for their life. So um, that's where you can find. N-E-X-T, next COC. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so they can find a little more information. You can also send me a note off of the website. And uh, if you want more information that way, or you can obviously find me on LinkedIn. So I'm always available there. Misty Cook, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been amazing. And you helped, yeah. you, you helped reaffirm my thoughts, my own experiences, things I've gone through. So it's this I will <laughs> share was a great episode for me because it's, it just helps confirm everything we're doing and why we started this podcast in the first place and the fact you're in this community and you see it. And for every veteran listening, it's all levels. We're mm-hmm. all amazing in our own way. Find our purpose, find a community, find mentors that can help you 
go through that squiggly line and make it as straight as can be, as fast as can be, and be happy, right? Be happy. Yeah. Misty, yeah. Well, thanks so much thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no How problem. do you end it? I want you to end it. What's on your mind? I want you to end it, and then I'm going to hit – I'm going to hit stop recording when you share your last thoughts on your mind. My last thoughts are, I love networking and I will tell people they don't understand um, what networking really is. And I want them to know that when you are meeting people, it is not about the person that's in front of you. It is about the person that they're going to introduce you to and maybe the next person and the fourth person, and maybe it's the seventh person. So don't judge the person very first person you meet and think those people aren't going to help me, but be very open-minded to those people are going to introduce you to the right person eventually, but you have to stay consistent and continue to nurture those relationships because it's never that first introduction. It's probably the fifth. So I, I say that because I think people sometimes think, oh, I'll just meet this person at an event and then, oh, they're not good for me. And, and you move on, but really it's about learning what that person needs and trying to help them and they will find the next person that you need. So it's always just the next step. So keep going and don't just give up on that first person. So the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, old school term right right there, right? And then, and if you're not good at networking, it's another skill. Acknowledge, Mm -hmm. look in the mirror. I'm not a good networker. How do you get better? Go practice. Mm -hmm. Go out to some events. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. And the more you get used to that, guess what? It becomes comfortable. So I think that's great, Misty. I appreciate you sharing. This has been a phenomenal episode of the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass. Everyone, thanks so much. Misty Cook, thanks for being a guest. We'll we'll hopefully have you back soon. Thanks again, everyone. (laughs) See you guys soon. Take care. Bye.